0: This is Race Capital with Chelsea Higgs-Wise and Kat Maudlin jackson where we interrogate racial narratives in our place, space, and time of Richmond, Virginia, the former capital of the Confederacy. Okay, y'all. So today, Kat is not with us, but in the studio, I have some familiar voices. Mr. Six One, um, Tykeen Cooper. Welcome back.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> Acknowledge me who I am.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And uh, Mr. Alan Charles Chipman. What's happening? What's happening? Thanks for being here again. Okay. Um, So today what we're going to do on the show is go down a couple of the hot topics that have been going on in the news the past week and really get some takes from myself, from these two gentlemen, and also jump into a faith lens a little bit later in the show. Um, I want to start off because we all just left or saw on live stream the latest uh, city council committee meeting where the Coliseum papers were produced to the council today. So they were just introduced. There was no real discussion about it. Well, there wasn't supposed to be, Um, but and it lasted for maybe about eight minutes total. First off, let me just give you all an opportunity to say, What is your role in the Coliseum chat, if anything at all? Have you been following it? Is it something that you think folks would be interested in? And what did you think of the happenings today at the meeting?
2: Mm. Uh, Well, I've been uh, following quite closely the Coliseum uh, Development Project. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially the people that are kind of at the table. These are people who have kind of received public subsidies and discounts off of their previous projects. Some people have even like, uh, pr- uh, proposed things that have failed racking up like $9 million in debt that the city just paid. And uh, apparently they get a second chance to swing at it. Wow. Um, you see a conglomeration of people that have kind of been through eminent domain, seizing land and then redeveloping things through Ooh. TIF and other, uh, things as well. And so it's almost like a, uh, um, uh, in Avengers of sorts. <laughs> <laughs> so Alan
0: has definitely been doing his research and gone like way in the weeds. But we need people like you doing that. Right. Yeah. So you were there today just to kind of follow up and keep
2: yeah. going. What's going right, on? Right. Because this is this is what's kind of like really kind of kicked it off. So it's not theoretical or something they're thinking about, but something they have proposed to city council Mm -hmm. and uh pretty much just 90 days until to really look into it and see if it's good for the city or not
0: stop could you explain the 90 days again for the listeners what does that mean that just and the 90 days start today what does that mean
2: uh so i think there was some talk Part of that was seeing when the 90 day markers started mm-hmm. because they uh, so a while back, city council had agreed that they wanted to create a commission for anyone for people to look into this. So they had right. two people. This is actually the second person they chose. The first person they chose was um, part of something that might be part of the development. So they thought that he was might be a little biased. Conflict uh, of interest. Yeah. Right. Conflict of interest. So now they have two people that uh, and I've researched them, too. It looks like they are. They, they should be unbiased and not really connected with any of the deep dealings.
0: And there's two that you're talking about, you're talking about the chair of the commission that they are appointing. Right. Right. So there was an ordinance put together by Kim Gray that was supported by uh, advocacy groups like Richmond for All to have this independent commission um, that's going to be appointed by the council. So we are still really hoping. Well, no, because these two people are appointed and then they choose the rest of the commission. Right. right. Okay. Okay. right. so, but today they just introduced the paper. So uh, the council members have not really been speaking about this publicly because they keep saying, we haven't been introduced to the papers. We haven't been introduced. I don't have to comment on it because I don't know anything about it. They haven't been formally introduced. right Well, today, now they are. right. And what about that ninety day?
2: Right. And so there was a a point in uh, probably around the six minute mark where um, uh, they were questioning and saying, okay, so we have the papers, but Uh, how can we start the 90-day process when these uh, people who are going to be sitting over the um, commission haven't even been sworn in yet and they're supposed to be sworn in later in august so i don't know if that's next week i don't know if that's Mm. near the end of august and so they were talking about i think like a november 5th i think 4th or 5th deadline of when that would kind of be and so they're saying why are we starting the clock when the people who are supposed to be overseeing this? aren't even sworn in yet the rest of the commission hasn't even been chosen so is there a way of kind of pushing that back and so i'm um i think new bill was considering it so i'm not sure if that was actually set in stone or not so that's a little up in the air too and then hilbert came in late and was saying (laughs) why are we getting all this minutia that's just the the price of doing business and Kind of seeming to seemingly uh, wanting to kind of shut down the questioning process, right? But that, that Kim was Kim Gray was already in, yeah, right.
0: And so Kim. that was
1: in response to Councilor Gray,
2: Ray. right? You want to
0: talk about that? What happened? Um, Kim's question.
1: Yes. Yeah, so, Councilor Gray, she she her line of questioning was around how much has the city already invested into this project, mm-hmm. because she has um, Jackson, the city attorney. Yep said, you know, how many man hours, how much money, and he told her that he would get that this afternoon. Mm -hmm. He would have to compile all of it, but he said at least half of his staff has been working on those for a considerable amount of time.
0: Right. So using the city attorney, those hours that we pay, that's tax money, right, already. So she's just already interested in this huge project that has been taking a lot of the city's attorney's time, therefore our tax dollar time, how much has already been spent on this project? Sure. And when she asked that question, Chilbert had just gotten into the room and sat down, Mm -hmm. and he jumped in very uh, directly and said, "What Alan was saying was, "Uh, we are just starting this process, and I'm uh, concerned that we're already getting into the minutia of it." And Kim Gray responded right back. She wanted, "Are you are you speaking about my comment specifically? (laughs) Say my name. Say my name. You want to (laughs) come in here? No, you not." So she came on back. No, are you speaking about my comment directly? And yeah, it was, a, it was a little back and forth. And then, you know, you heard Reva try to jump in. I don't even know what she said, but I, I could hear her voice in the background. Um, and, and we also saw about an hour after council uh, closed for um, a closed meeting that Reva actually posted a picture that had Kim Gray standing with her hands on her hips and Chris had a very... Uh, a scowl. A scowl at her, um, which I thought was interesting for Reva to post that picture, right? That's obviously egging on a certain narrative. Um, and Kim Gray jumped on the feed. This is all on Facebook and said, hey, this is just part of the process. He apologized for um, his comment afterwards. But that
2: was...
1: And, and I commend her for like trying to nip some of that in the bud. Yeah,
2: yeah. But And for her line of questioning, too. I mean, the other yeah. thing that she asked was are all the offerings and things within the papers actually legal? Right. Right, which is an important question. I mean and, and when you really get into TIF districts t- typically um, the requirement for it is it has to be the it has to meet the Definition of blight, and also the but for clause, which talks about without this development, would there be any substantial profit made? And so the, the question of that, that a guy named uh, Mike Quigley uh, brings up in his report, "Tailor Two Cities: Reinventing uh, Tax Increment Finances." He's also the danger of creating these projects, creating versus capturing profit that's already happening. And so I think her line of questioning—I'm not sure what she was intending—but I think her line of questioning was is this going to be a situation where this is actually creating something in a a blighted place or is this going to be capturing what's already going on Mm -hmm. and the fact that that line of questioning seemed to be kind of shut down didn't give me the best feeling right
1: yeah so for me um i think council has a process to work some of these questions out Mm -hmm. much like when the mayor introduced his his budget a few months back you know I think Councilwoman Trammell was really inappropriate because that wasn't the venue for that. So today I feel like the question was a lot more civil mm-hmm. um, and the comments were civil and like, hey, I understand more people will probably be there today than will be there in six weeks when you're processing this. Right. So I understand people kind of wanting to get out in the front of things mm-hmm. um, because, you know, the next 90 days really is going to come down to messaging right right and uh, you know who can kind of control the narrative and talk about the needs and if if this project fulfills those needs and will it be a good project for the city
0: because the question and I want all the listeners to really understand that the 90-day listening community period was something that advocates really had to push for to be included um, into this process. So taking the time um, to have this process of the 90 days and when it starts, like Alan was talking about, is also, it's intentional, it's forward thinking that we have to make sure that it even makes sense if the commission isn't even put together starting this 90-day period. Kim Gray did come over to some the advocates and say that they were talking about having four meetings uh, throughout these 90 days for the public input, them being on a Saturday um, and they were looking at the venue right now to be the Redskins training camp.
1: The Washington football team.
0: Thank you. The Washington football team training camp. Um, so she is very aware that that venue is going to bring some pushback. Um so that will be an interesting thing to watch about what what's going on for the next 90 days as well as this commission that's chosen um and the messaging that's put out and i know and alan also mentioned tiff right so tiff is going to be something that's brought up a lot in this next 90 days in this entire process um so For folks that want to know more, continue to to follow Race Capital, but there are a lot of other projects and people that are working on this. Um, Alan Charles Chipman is one, as well as RichmondForAll.com, a local advocacy group that's working on this um, that you can follow along as well. The big piece that I'm hearing from the community at a high level is that they're just really uncomfortable with Dominion's Mm -hmm. input enmeshment into this process. In fact, the group came today with neon signs that said no one elected Tom Farrell. <laughs> um, any comments about the Dominion marriage that seems to come with this project? And Tom Farrell is the CEO of Dominion for anybody that's listening that may not know.
2: Yeah, uh, just given the research that I've been doing, well, well, number one, if you you're studying what's going on in Union Hill as we speak, Okay. Um, and you're thinking about the dangerous um, pipeline that's kind of going through traditionally um, African-american owned land specifically of, 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 of freed uh, African- American right uh, people and um, county Buckingham county right um, uh, and just the the displacement a lot of things that are happening there it's it's kind of hard to have this narrative of I care about black neighborhoods well as you speak a couple miles away you're, you're doing something that's right. Quite quite dangerous Uh, and then when you you look at just the series of deals that have happened between Dominion and Altria and all these other types of corporations even when you when you look at the the setup of the corporations with behind the Altria theater renovation that happened um, you have Tom Farrell who was head of our which was Richmond performance um, arts uh, and there was a nonprofit called Center Stage but the one that Tom Farrell was over was a for-profit and wasn't really watched and so First year that the the bills are due, right, they come to to city council and say pay our $1.7 million tax bill while this for-profit... Company had fifty million dollars in surplus, and so and the, is, it, right? and the city paid for it, right? The city paid for it, right? So,
0: and that's kind of these setup of different LLCs and for-profit nonprofits kind of what we're seeing as well with this whole thing that they're calling Navy Hill. Which I will say, Richmond for all, and the community is really pushing back of any formal naming of this project being Navy Hill because this is really gentrifying and colonizing an old, a historically Black neighborhood of Navy Hill, mm. but
2: cleared in the name of urban renewal
0: right from the last time they built up this area right any comments from Mister Six One?
1: yes yeah, so tips aren't exactly my thing right but they're not
0: going to be many people's things to right. be real honest
1: and so i mean i'm following it closely you know sometimes i go into the weeds on some of these processes right mm-hmm. um and what I'd be interested in, and I haven't heard this yet, but I haven't heard of any other, I haven't heard anyone else say I would have made, I would have made a bid on this project, mm. um, because I know that's one of the things that people always use to knock. Was it Navy Hill Corporation, mm-hmm. NH Corporation, District Corporation, District yes. Corporation? Yes. So I, you know that's one of the things I hear people talk about all the time. Well, it was only thirty days. It was a backroom deal, but I haven't heard anyone else yet say, hey, I would not like submitted a proposal.
0: And why does that matter?
1: If we're saying that, not we, but if folks are saying that this is a backroom deal and it was a done deal already. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of discussion about how did this proposal, this idea even come to fruition? Mm -hmm. Because some people said that, Navy Hill District Corporation came and said, this is something that we're interested in doing. It is. And then the mayor opened it up for a proposal for 30 days. Mm-hmm. No one else bid it. Then some other people say that they already had a deal basically in place. The mayor's like, oh, this would be great for me. So, I mean, I guess they are just different nuances. Mm-hmm. Um
0: so, my, I guess my question for the listeners would really be Are you concerned about Dominion's enmeshment at all? Does that raise any red flags for you?
2: So, uh, a couple concerns I have. One, um, I believe NH District Corp was maybe formed maybe like a month before this whole proposal process started. Right. right.
1: Um, also, I have to know that. Did they, do they have the nonprofit status yet?
2: Yeah, they have nonprofit status, they have for profit status. Okay. And then you have two other, like. No, so I think NH District and NH Corporation are the nonprofit wing. Capital City Partners is nonprofit and Capital City something else. Developers is the for-profit wing of that. And so the the concern that I had is that also you have to look at the, who is scheduled to be arranging the events for the new Coliseum is SMG, who is the person who currently handles the current Coliseum and so when you understand like to set up for TIFF you have to have these have to be blighted right so when SMG says okay we have this deal but we're gonna close down the Coliseum and not have any more things happen there so it looks more vacant than it typically might be right. and then you have the but for which says well if it wasn't if if there was literally no one else who would develop this then I can qualify for the but for so it seems that that they look at this property that really didn't qualify for a TIF district right. but they then maneuver within the people who are in a in NH Disc corporation to district corporation to, to create the appearance that it would qualify for a TIF project. By
0: it, shutting down the Coliseum, not have any bookings. Right. By. And then
2: Dominion says also we're of planning to build these new towers that we want to be within this corporation as well. And when you understand how TIF porting works, where anything within a TIF district can be developed by the funds raised from that district unless it's, unless it's specified where it's going to and closely watched, um, that could be a kickback for them as well.
0: For a dominion, for because dominion. they're building within the TIFF district, right? So, I mean, <clears throat> I'm listening to you and just hearing all of the complexities. I do have lots of questions about the incentives, like the for who, right? And what have been the... Prior steps, which I think Tykeen was hinting at, around how did we get here, right? Because that matters about also who was involved as well as what the city setup had to be or at least appear to be to qualify for this TIF district. Um, the city of Richmond is not. Familiar with TIF districts, but it sounds like there are more and more people in the city that might be around. And that's a a good point of what you're saying of who around is at the table and understanding that this is going to be so much bigger than just city council or just some business owners or contractors, right? We're going to look at how this area hits our school systems, it's going to how it hits housing affordable housing, quote, unquote, affordable housing, Um, RRHA, which is a conversation we were just having. um, And the Gilpin development that we know is super close to the Coliseum and what that means. And it's a conversation that is a place for everybody. But because it's so big and complicated, it appears that they're really hoping that people will not want to learn a little bit more and use their voice because this is just too big um but that's also why we need to use our voice and ask the questions because this is going to be huge and what I keep hearing or thinking about is like this is going to be 30 years that we're locked into um so I appreciate the commission that was um, appointed that we do have that that's a big win for folks
1: yeah i i mean i'm i'm an advocate for citizen input yeah um and citizen participation all around mm-hmm. but i I'm torn on this because you know Union Hill—that's basically home for me, right? Right. And I understand the history there, the health ramifications there. From what I'm seeing in Richmond thus far, like we don't have those things. Like I said, I'm not the most well-versed in in the TIF and mm-hmm. this whole development project. But a lot of the concerns I have about Union Hill, like I. I don't see those same issues in Richmond yet, but it's still early.
0: Right. Right. Okay.
1: And that's why I'm not one of those people saying, hey, I'm like, I'm pro this project or anti this project. Like, right. I want to make an informed decision.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, there is a lot of information out there that we can continue to be informed of and watch this process. Um, And I'm sure there'll just be more and more information coming out soon. Right, Alan? Hopefully, yeah, um, I do because we're talking about Dominion. Talk about uh, Dominion's other big project that they're doing, American Evolution, and mm-hmm. the 400th uh, commemoration that happened last week on Tuesday, July 30th. And if people did not know, the the commemoration committee, yes, is very much funded by Dominion, and um, the celebration put together that was. Everybody was on the committee, including our mayor, Lavar Sturney, until he resigned from the committee. Um, This was all paid for by Dominion money still. So, uh, again, I'm not sure why that would give anybody red flags that the uh, white supremacist narrative coming out of Jamestown is funded by Dominion. It's fine. Um, But anyway, let's go on to last uh, Tuesday was uh, two events happened. At first, it was... The event that we've been planning a while for Jamestown, for the elected officials, the legislators, to talk about the 400th year since the first Africans were trafficked here and the first women arrived. Now, um, American Evolution has switched up this narrative to be the 400th year of the House of Burgesses, right? They want to celebrate the first meeting of the House of Burgesses, the first formal, former government um here in the united states the same government that decided to enslave people (laughs) Um, but this is what the commemorations focus has truly been on and that money that was given to american evolution from dominion has been focused on uplifting the white men in the house of burgesses and all the efforts that they did so if anybody is like huh why did this turn into a trump rally well it was always a dominant narrative of celebrating white men for the
2: 400th. So uh, we're celebrating 1619, right? House of Burgesses. Mm-hmm. So um, 1705, Virginia slave codes. Oh, 1705. Oh. Um, established new property rights for slave owners, mm-hmm. allowed for the legal free trade of slaves with protections granted by the courts, mm-hmm. established separate courts to trial, prohibited blacks, regardless of free status, from owning arms, weapons, guns. Uh, whites cannot be employed by Blacks and allow for the apprehension of suspected runaways. Um, wow. And we're celebrating that in what we're calling American evolution. So my question is, now, I believe um, evolution was about progression and it slowly becoming something else, right? So right. how is that different from from what America has always been mm. of separation? like ignoring the reality the black reality that has called America to the carpet to either become who you are or just say that's not who y'all are right right and so my whole thing is how is this an evolution
0: and the ignoring piece that's what I felt like a lot of legislators did by going to this Jamestown event is that they're ignoring the bigger picture of, of how we got here and truly taking the, the steps to evolve, right? If we're still coming to unity, coming to the Jamestown, we gotta come together in these towns, respect the position or whatever it is. That's really what I got from that. And I, I want everyone to know that it's the 400 years of African American History Commission Act. That's how all of this 400 year started. Literally, in back in January 2018, so not even that long ago, it was Bobby Scott that put in the bill for us to have this 400th conversation. And Dominion Money, American Evolution, and the people that have been able to afford with the resources to bring the events for the 400th year have now taken the entire narrative, and we're talking about House of Burgesses. Um, yes, we might have a sprinkle here and there of an African story, of uh, Fort Comfort, but to me, that's why it was so. It's so easy for us to forget things that happened like 1705, or for us to not even learn about it right now, and for us to be able to have the conversation with ourselves of why it's okay to maybe show up to right. this Trump rally. And
2: a lot of the very rights that people are celebrating in 1619 were not available, and were intentionally um, not for Black people. Right. And so my question is. Why was this a commemoration versus, you know, a challenging, right? Mm. Like being able to look internal and say, hey, so is the role here to celebrate and say, oh, my gosh, this was great. Or to say, what does it mean to evolve from a, a system and an institution that gave rights to white?" people mm-hmm. but not to people of color but so have we really evolved i mean right. that's the question right. i would love i would have loved an american evolution question mark oh and being able to then like say like here's what the status was here here's where it is it have we evolved right to be able to say okay we've advanced in this area but in other areas have we really evolved from 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 that, is there still exploitation? Are there still people that we're rounding up and hunting and all these other types of things in the in the name of protecting what's mine? And when you read that that manifesto of that 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 was released by the 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 El Paso the, shooter, the El Paso shooter, great. when he's talking about, I'm I'm up here and talking about, I got to do this before I lose the nerve because this is what my ancestors and 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 the great American forefathers said is my right to have, and it's like. That doesn't look like evolution to me.
0: Yeah. It doesn't feel like it. The same president that we embraced for unity on July 30th that we said, I'm going to show up for anyway. Am I white? <sighs> Am I dressed in all white? Oh, my
1: goodness. Mm. White women. Bill Rice had something to say about that.
0: Yeah. Shout out to Bill Rice, a friend to the show that was on uh, with Mr. 6-1 and uh, Daryl Hyatt with the Housing and Education Conversation wrote a fantastic piece um, in Blue, Virginia. Yes. Um, The day of the event, please read that. And he talks and brings to the forefront a quote that we often hear um, from MLK, but it seems like we forget about cautioning us to white moderates. And to me, it was a clan of white moderates, I use that term very intentionally, that showed up for Trump that day, including Justin Fairfax, right? Like, it. it so even within the liberal Democratic Party, right? Like, we can't even come together about what this day in particular was about. And I understand that there are many stories we have to tell about the border, immigration, but this day was about literally July 30th was the day to, on the dot 400 years. This is what they said.
1: We all are going to see this again.
0: Right. Right. Like why right. on this day could we not? Like, not even on this day, it couldn't even be about Africans, about African ancestry. It couldn't be about that hard, uncomfortable story. And th- to say that you're going to go there and stand in disruption, the only person that did come in disruption was Delegate um, Samira. Samira, yeah. Um, shout out to Delegate Samira. He and I had a fun Twitter exchange a couple of days ago. Um, because I appreciate everything that he did. I did have a small critique that in his piece in The Atlantic that he didn't bring some attention to the event, the true event, the intentional event that was held by the Virginia Black Caucus, uh, Legislative Caucus, on the same day down at Devil's Half Acre. Some may call it Lumpkin's Jail, but I will not lift that name. And, and that's, for me, what a lot of folks that don't always identify as black or African-American can do in these moments and and these intentional times is if you're going to be disruption and be disruptive in white spaces, do that. But then also make sure you're intentional enough to pass the mic or the platform, especially if a you've a national one at the Atlantic, to at least uplift your brothers and sisters from the Black Caucus and what they did on that day to truly honor the ancestors of not just us but the, this country.
2: And I think it I think it showed that. Um, having Trump there showed that we haven't evolved past uh, the oppressive habit of dehumanization because Trump was there talking about unity and all this other type of stuff after, or what was it a day before maybe he tweeted uh, about Elijah Cummings and saying no decent human being would want to live in Baltimore, right? Yeah. Uh, and so number one, I'm from Baltimore, sure. but not just about that, but when you think about the, the, the work and the evil that was done at the House of Burgesses, mm-hmm. the, person, the people that undid that were one, Frederick Douglass, who <laughs> was from Baltimore, mm. and Thurgood Marshall, who was also from Baltimore. So Baltimore actually has a legacy of realizing the rhetoric that you're spouting in, 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 in Jamestown, but you hate the city that they're from.
0: That's powerful. Right. And well, he knows his enemies, right? Like, because those are the strongest folks coming out of Baltimore. It seems like, even historically.
2: Well, he thought Frederick Douglass was still alive, Yo, for sure. So he some, probably he probably tried to, you know, get his number to say, i oh, sorry about Baltimore, man." <laughs> 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 Not, but y- y'all don't remember a few years ago. I
0: remember that mess. <laughs> yeah, no, it was so crazy. But I asked you two on the show very um, intentionally because of a Twitter conversation that was happening about uh, Tykeen was doing a search that I see you do often right and asking what sermons were about when we're having these type of political traumas and nationwide traumas sure um and you were going asking what were the sermons like on Sunday after we've had these two back-to-back mass shootings
1: no one responded on Twitter a few people reached out to me like via text and um and then I scoured like, that's why I was up last night, and, like, I tweeted Alan at, like, 1230. I was scouring the internet trying to find, like, some of these big pastors and just hearing what their sermons were um, on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Saturday we had the El Paso shooting. Woke up Sunday morning, and we had the Dayton shooting. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, everyone just kind of went on this business as usual. And, like, I remember I, I saw one tweet because I went to T.D. Jakes' Twitter, and he was just kind of printing. I mean, he just went on with his uh, series, mm-hmm. and there was a lady up there was like, hey, like, your neighbors just got assassinated a few hours ago, and you're just going on this business as usual.
0: Because T.D. Jakes, a huge pastor, if people listening don't know, is in Ohio.
1: Right. No. Texas. Texas. Yeah. Texas. Texas.
0: Yeah. Is in Texas.
1: And so, you know, I think we have this misconception. Then I was having a private conversation, and someone was saying, oh, like, we can fix this. We just need more Jesus. But y'all need to talk about black on black crime, and y'all need to talk about video games and mental health and um, social you know,
0: media. So bad, right? Yeah,
1: social media is so bad, and y'all need to stop. Y'all need to stop using that R word because when it rears its ugly head, people won't even know what it is.
0: Racism is that the yeah? R-word? Okay, yeah.
1: Yeah, y'all need to stop using that because Donald Trump and the races and so you know and this is
0: a black person this is a black narrative that you're hearing yes okay yes
1: and so well i think yeah
0: yeah and i mean that's not something uncommon that especially from older black uh folks of faith
1: and so i uh you know i i try to be very deliberate and i say hey you know we had mass shootings in this country before trump we had domestic terrorism before trump is he throwing gas in the proverbial fire? Absolutely. But what I'm really going to push back on is this whole narrative about we just need Jesus. And so when I was having this conversation, I was like, oh, I know the perfect person
0: to reach out to. <laughs> Alan Charles Chipman.
2: Yeah. And I just I just want to point out, talking about we need more Jesus and talking about which Jesus are we talking about. Because you have to remember that white domestic terrorists bombed and killed for african-american girls in the church wow yeah and you had and like, they burned crosses right and they burned crosses in the name of jesus in the name of jesus right probably the jesus from bethlehem pennsylvania versus where he was really from but um it's 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 like it was it was a uh, I I was saw i was upset but uh, I saw this tweet from Franklin Graham that said, the real cure. Who's Franklin f- Graham, first Franklin of. Graham is the is the son of Billy Graham. Who's a prominent
1: pastor. Right. Who advised presidents for, what, five decades?
2: Right. Okay.
0: Okay. Sorry, y'all. I'm not in the faith world. Keep from me. From North Carolina. Keeps, right. From North Carolina. Yeah, for sure. Where is he? uh Jesus.
2: The real cure. F- he, and he said, Franklin Graham, uh, who also is a pro-Trump Christian. <laughs> For moral
1: moral issues, right?
2: Right, for moral issues, right? He says, the real cure for the racial divide in our country is for hearts to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. To which I responded to him, the problem with the racism in America were those who swore they already had turned to Jesus but actually had only turned to the religion of white nationalism and American exceptionalism. Take heed, brother, lest you fall. And the picture I chose were a bunch about 80 people in Klan robes standing under a banner that says Jesus saves. Wow.
0: Talk a little bit about how you all got there. In this narrative from the shootings that we have, that also tie into the Commonwealth narrative, right the the two the two story narrative that's happening in our in our nation as well as in our Commonwealth.
2: Right. There's there's
0: from a context of faith, right? Because faith is being used on both sides with this. I Absolutely. Like.
2: Um, it, Thoughts and prayers. <laughs> <sighs> it reminds me of um, so when John Brown was planning his um, revolution. In in America, um, he had um, asked Frederick Douglass, you know, kind of if he will be down with it. And Frederick Douglass, um, you know, he actually fled the country because you know people were always looking for him. But um, uh, he's, he's speaking to Halifax, England, and it's shortly after John Brown died during his revolution. And so
1: John know, Brown was a white abolitionist. Right. Yeah. Harper's Ferry, West Virginia.
2: Right. Right. Uh, and uh, people asked. Frederick Douglass what he thought about it and he said that he 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 felt that uh um John Brown was like a modern day Moses if you, you know the biblical narrative Moses the reason why he left Egypt originally was because he was mad that he saw people in slavery and he 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 called a body over slavery and then he then he dipped but uh Frederick Douglass was talking oh, about eloquently
1: saying <laughs> he did it
2: he did he, it he called a body
1: over <laughs> slavery and he dipped <laughs>
0: The, the book according to Alan Charles <laughs> That's why Alan was perfect for
2: this yeah so uh, Frederick Douglass then responds and in is in his saying like the only and he talks about he talks about the church in Richmond Virginia and he talks about the only thing uh, louder than the moans and screams of of African Americans being uh, beaten and whipped are the moans of their masters while they're worshiping in church woof, and he talks woof, about woof. his job is to let that to, sit for a little yeah. bit my goodness right Okay. And he says his job is to undeceive them as much as possible because when Jesus becomes white and you are doing this violence, you were you were you are you are saving white Jesus from whatever from black people versus you are lynching Jesus. Oh. You are telling Jesus, I don't want you to drink from my water fountain. Um I don't want you in my schools, right? Uh, or if you're a uh, uh, segregation academy uh, that was found in the Nixon administration, you're setting up a, a for-profit school to get away from where Jesus actually is. And so uh, there's a long heritage. And, and even when you think about, like, the Revolution Acts recently, like, bring to the future a little bit, uh, after um, the shooting at Emanuel Church. Um, in and, Charleston. In Charleston. Mm-hmm. And um, they were devout Christians who were murdered. So right. did they need a little more Jesus? Is that why they got shot? Yeah. Uh, and then afterwards when this when the uh Confederate flag was still flying, um Bree Newsome, who was an activist and also Christian, she 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 climbed up there and said, I'm I'm taking this down and I'm opposing you in the name of God. So and there you, when you look at the people who have organized under the Christian faith, who have been assassinated, who have been arrested, um Houses bombed. Fannie Lou Hamer talks about this a lot. Talks about when we were organizing, um, you know, and we were scared in our houses in Mississippi getting bombed and all the things like that. People very deeply rooted in the faith. It's extremely disrespectful to say that the only thing that they needed was a little more Jesus, which is a little bit more Jesus, a little more Jesus, which is always what is told if you brought the narrative out is that black people have to do more to earn mm. what is just given to white people. What do white people have to do to mm-hmm. a little bit more of to get what the House of Burgesses gave them on set that 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 <laughs> we needed to wait. Are we still waiting? We still waiting for the same equal right equal right. rights.
0: I'm gonna bring this back home. Um, to Virginia, whether that's the Coliseum here in Richmond, Virginia, the former capital of the Confederacy, or we're talking about statewide conversations, um, like the ones that we were having at Jamestown last week as that was also happening simultaneously at the Devil's Half Acre. And these two narratives, right, it sounds like you have the white church, the black church, the most segregated day and time of the week at Sunday morning. It felt like that same segregation was happening last Tuesday on the day we were supposed to be commemorating and telling the story of African ancestry, coming to the States. How are people now not gonna get overwhelmed with all of this? How do you all, um, I can tell that there's some things that we can't pay attention to, right? So that's why I don't look at you with too much of a crazy eye taking for not knowing all of, with the Coliseum. and not having your red flags up, even though I'm gonna also remind you that back in 2013, uh, the passion project for Tom Farrell was creating a Lost Cause movie um, that he funded. That was his passion project. Yes. Um, so, I, again- And
1: that was troubling, yes. And that
0: was very troubling. Okay, that is troubling. And um, But truly, we can't follow everything and no one's gonna be able to. Um, but what are some of the ways that people can still, and you all's opinion, participate or feel like they're giving back or even be an ally. I know a lot of allies listen to the show. Um, What can they do or say? Well, number one, I'll say that this next 90 days are going to be huge with the Coliseum contribution participation, checking ourselves about, uh, which narrative are you aligning with? Because if there aren't a whole bunch of uh, people of color standing next to you saying these words, and you might be on the wrong side, even if you're wearing the color blue, uh, Democrats.
2: I I want to say something that just been bothering me ever since I heard you say it. Okay. Um, not something that you said, but like space communicates so much. Ooh, yeah. So the fact that we're talking about how the land and the profit from a land is going to be decided— over the next 30 years well which means when I'm 62 um it's going to be held at the Redskins training facility people whose land was violated for the cause of profit um that's where we're having the conversation Yikes! like I it's just just from a spiritual level I feel like there's so much of that is just connected in space and and place just has so much um so I, I just had to say that because it was yeah. it was it was bothering me. And even even just how much of it like I was not it had the city not had been sued in a Freedom of Information Act. I wouldn't even be able to do the research that I did.
0: Yeah, they had to be sued. We had to use government and law against our own folks that are supposed to be protecting us. Right, Taki? But yes, it is part of that. I'm giving Taiki a hard time in this episode. It's my brother, y'all. I love him. Um, I'm going
1: to pull up. <laughs> <laughs>
0: hey,
1: hey, Chelsea, I just want you to know I have statewide being access.
0: He's going to show right up to my door. Um, but, yeah, I you're right. Place, space matters, and that is a really – I mean, first Navy Hill and now Redskins.
1: I mean, let's just keep it a stack here, right? Like, how many people are actually going to go to that facility to have a conversation? Like, that's that's not the community.
2: Yeah. How many people would feel comfortable going to that space? Right, right.
1: A space that a lot of people here aren't a fan of anyway. Right. I mean, hey, I I guess it'll be used outside of...
2: And that like local businesses can't even make a profit off of them being in their thing, which is which is like like a colony to me. I mean like it's Mm. it's it's there's so much like about space and things like this. I'll never I'll never forget when I went uh, to Dallas and I was driving in Fort Worth, technically Fort Worth where the new Dallas Cowboys Stadium is, and right across the street from the stadium is something called Plantation Apartments. Uh And I just was like, Whoa. "Hold up, <laughs> hold up, wait, what?" I just think like, when we talk about, have we evolved, mm. right? Do we just go from colonialism to neocolonialism, Whew. and we show we throw some money at some black people to say, "Hey, look what we're not," right? Yeah. But are we embodying what a true evolution would look like in America, right? Like, oh, I think about. That's when you're studying like money that was moved. I mean, we got people on the NH District Corp that 20 million, at least 20 million dollars was moved in bonds from Richmond Redevelopment Housing Authority for one of their previous projects. Right. Hold up.
0: But we got. I don't know what you just said right there, but it sounded like somebody that was involved with Navy Hill District Corp was involved in a previous project that took money from RRHA. Is that what you just said? Exactly, yeah. We got, we, sure. got
2: other ones that took money. About, mm, I think it was around $16 million away from Metro Transit Authority. I mean, Woo. all these other types of money. We're gonna going to have around. to bring Alan back on in the future to break down some of this. But yeah, keep going. Yeah, but when I go through Twitter and Deron, Brother Duran wants to have a community event, he's got to pay $900. Come on. Come on. Space, place. And it's like who is being prioritized in these, um, in these processes, right? Mm-hmm. I, it's...
0: Yeah. Well, I appreciate you all coming on here. We have a few minutes left because we have to do the greatest segment of all times, which is What's Your Privilege? is a segment of the show where we invite the guests to acknowledge and identify one of their privileges and how they use it to disrupt uh, the myth of white supremacy um you all have been here and kind of mentioned that before i think both of your work uh, does this innately but um anything relevant today that you want to just talk about privilege here in the former capital of the confederacy
2: uh i think for me um and i think it's it deals with this conversation as well is you know coming into like what's a dominant religion here in, in, in America, being a Christian. Yeah. I think my role in that is to not shy away from the conversation that calls about how Christianity has been used um to support and propagate white supremacy. Wow. Um and also not to um not to let someone saying there's a guy use a guys of Christianity to keep me from calling somebody to the carpet. I mean, you even think about the crazy thing about Mike Pence supposed to be super Christian vice president mm-hmm. going in to seeing people who are in cages. Right. And there, there, there are several nonprofits where there are people within those cages who write and say, pray for me and my family. Right. Right. Perse- a, a very clear example of what happens when you align your faith with uh, the government and, and whatever powers that be or white supremacy versus standing with those um, who are marginalized. And so I think, for me, um as a christian, my my role is to create spaces for those conversations to say that this is what this has meant to me, and it's not good mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that. I know a lot of people listening just from your last appearance will appreciate that.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah, and so, kind of to echo what Alan Charles said, um, I saw a quote from John Howard Wesley, pastor at Alpha Street Baptist in Northern Virginia. And he was talking about Jesus as an activist
0: mm-hmm.
1: and as a Christian, um, like positioning yourself and understanding, like, in the quote basically said, Jesus wasn't crucified. Well, I'm paraphrasing, but this is what he said Jesus wasn't crucified for like following the law and agreeing with everything and just being indebted to the system. Right. Jesus bucked the system, right? Right. And so, as a person of faith, what do you do when you see folks being dehumanized when you, we see communities being demolished right so what how do we how do we fix this like how do we stand in a gap like and the truth of the matter is like my favorite story from the Bible is about when Jesus was struggling with the cross and someone had to carry the cross for him mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when he went to this crucifixion right. And so, like, how do I stand in the gap for someone who may not have the agency that I have or who may not have the network and have knowledge of certain things? Right. So, um, you know, that's my that's how I'm trying to use my privilege to benefit other folks.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I will say that um, my privilege has been i've said this before but truly the privilege of access and being able to access folks like you all to access the information um that we've had to sue to get to have access to um mainly these delegates and elected officials and even though i am a loud mouth and call folks out and that is also a privilege to be able to do that even with certain repercussions that come to me but I have really just seen that having a mic is a privilege and I use that to bring information and ask the questions that I know I would want to be asked and to follow up with the questions I know a lot of my comrades want to ask. and. Big thank you to everybody that listened to the episode last week on the Commonwealth Attorneys. We've gotten such ridiculously positive feedback about that. And tomorrow is the first day of the Richmond City Democratic Caucus. And I want to remind everyone of that. Thursday, August 8th, from 6 to 7 30, you will be able to go and vote at the caucus at 101 East Franklin Street, Richmond, Virginia, um, or in the Southside Community Center, 4100 Hall Street Road. Uh, those two locations will also be open Saturday, August 10th, 2019, from 1030 to 130. You, all you have to do is be a Richmond voter and say that you are not a Republican and you will not um, outwardly oppose whoever the nominee is that we vote. That is a piece of paper that you'll have to sign coming to vote with the Democratic caucus because this is a party appointed position. The Commonwealth attorney is here in Richmond. So, um Thank you for everyone that is putting that together and for the positive feedback. I hope to see everyone out and participating um, in this electoral process that we have. If you consider yourself in that democratic uh, arena. Um, any last words from our uh, famous guest, Alan Charles Chipman and Mr. 6-1, Tykeen Cooper?
2: Uh, just to stay uh, aware, um, I'll, I'll be rolling out some more information about the Coliseum redevelopment, so stay tuned with that. Cool. Um All right. Yeah.
1: And uh, I'm looking forward to learning more about the Coliseum. <laughs>
0: Oh, that's funny for you. It is. Funny. You know, I'm up here being
1: vulnerable, and you are you, you joking?
0: Uh, no, I because honestly, we're here to learn. Like, and
2: that's part of our evolution is that everyone is going to be learning.
1: But she shied at me and for for.
2: for I, that. Did. I Also, want to say that part of the Dude, hustle yeah, when TIF districts come to town is to make it hard for people to get informed. Right. 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 If I if I was if this wasn't part of my livelihood mm-hmm. to be have the resource and the time available to do this deep type of research and. Right had not been for a lawsuit i wouldn't know anything either so
0: yeah we all privilege on that
1: so. yeah i mean i as i was saying before, i was rudely interrupted and you mocked
0: <laughs> you were
1: <laughs> um yeah I, I look forward to like reviewing the proposal mm-hmm. and trying to amplify what i learn mm-hmm. out to other folks and you know hey if it's something that i think that's beneficial I,
0: there you go. Right.
1: If, I, if, I, if it's something that I think is a bad deal for the city and for the constituents here, I'm like, hey, this is a bad deal. So I look forward to being able to convey that to you in the near future.
0: I appreciate that because <laughs> you are our man to go to here for RPS, Education Advocate. And we know that this uh, school's conversation is going to come up. So thank you all for being here. Thanks for everyone that tuned in to Race Capital. And we'll check you out next week.
3: Oh, okay, okay. The classic. Okay. I can work with it. Solomon got us on something right now. And the hashtag Speak Your Rhyme Challenge. Still hashtag lift the band all day. Activism in 2019. I'ma talk about this rebrand in Richmond. They say RBA. A pig with lipstick is still a pig, would say. These cops didn't harm your way, they laid markets down and that boy was unarmed that day. They trying to put me out of my place, my rent higher than fees on Paul Goldman's FOIA. I'm at 6 Mount Zion, I hope I pray that they don't take their land away like them old time days. When KKK burn your whole town days, lead in school water, E. coli days, yeah. We the ones put that tank on Broad Street, now the police ready for World War III. Nazis watching over what the youth learned and they eat, tell them to turn 18 so they can put them to sleep, rapid eye movements, the sign of deceit, dominion power, now they redesigning our streets, they say do it for the children, untreated cavities, they got no feelings, that's hella savagery in all realness, build arenas and demolish housing buildings, replace them with one bedroom apartments, so if you got kids, you keep on walking to the next county, put your kids in their schools Housing policy is the tool of the schools Get the youth out the city, that's the come up Now your problems vanish, it's like dumb luck School scores start climbing, how they do that? Without solving problems, they just move blacks Public school and public housing clicked up Don't be surprised if you see it on channel 6, bruh Rezoning, consolidation, gentrification It's all a fucked up situation So get up, get to get, get, get down R-R-H-A is a joke in your town Keep blacks in this city for I bust your No crown, you doing dirt and what goes around comes around You thriving off oppression of the black and brown That's hella racist to just kick us out the town But we coming for what we owe Using laws now, we got the game sold Keep the devil guessing like Ross and Rachel Federal code, section 3 and section 8, ho Yo, I say as nice as I can Don't mess with our money, don't mess with our land (laughs) Yeah, I said, don't mess with it At first it was, don't f with it 'Cause you get back right quick, yeah. Man, say I ain't go too hard on 'em, you know. Rewind that back, you know. You'll see. See the the math. Rewind it back, do the math. I kick nothing but facts. That's how I do. That's why. The, that's why the hood love me.